0: Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. Before we get into it, this episode is brought to you by Happy Valley, who strives to give everyone the premium cannabis experience by providing consistent quality products and exceptional customer service. It was founded by longtime cannabis consumers who were frustrated with the industry's erratic experiences and lack of accountability. Guys, they really do have some of the best in Massachusetts. I was honestly giving up on dispensary flour because the quality I was getting was just not there. But with Happy Valley, they cure their cannabis flour for two weeks or more to provide an enhanced terpene profile, ideal moisture ratio, and increased psychotropic potency. Their pre-rolls are filled with pure ground flour, never trim. And for my cannabis connoisseurs out there, you can easily tell how big of a difference that makes. Didn't get that promotion you wanted? Happy Valley. Happy Valley your crush left you on red try happy valley (laughs) not only in the stressful times but in the good times when you want to enhance any moment why not pick up your own stash to enjoy visit happy valley in east boston today to get 20 percent off a single accessory with the promo code dope all right let's get into it So today I'm here with my best friend, Anahit, and we're going to have a little history lesson on canna... Wait, can I say it? What? The M word. What M word? Uh, Marijuana. (laughs) Yeah, you can totally use that word. Let's discuss briefly the history of the word marijuana. In the 1500s, when the Spaniards discovered the Americas, like Mexico, hemp was a very valuable trade item that they had. When they arrived, they launched the Inquisition where they pushed out the Jews and the Muslims, trying to convert everyone to Catholicism.
1: In Mexico, the Maya, Aztec, Mazatec, and more already had their own religious practices, which included psychoactive plants like psilocybin mushrooms, peyote, ayahuasca, and more. As the Spaniards tried to convert these
0: communities into their religion, they would give them wine and bread the blood of Jesus and the body.
1: Hallelujah. Thank you for the bread and the wine. Thank you. Hallelujah.
0: Yes. But wine and bread doesn't make you feel a certain type of way. It doesn't give you that godly experience that hallucinogens do. It doesn't do anything really. So they thought Catholicism was a bunch of baloney. The Spaniards were heated. So they took away their psychoactive plants they thought this was the only way to separate them from their religion and force them to grow hemp instead, which they needed for trade. This was the first prohibition of psychoactive plants. The Spaniards threatened to punish if they caught consuming these plants.
1: If only they knew. If only they knew what they were bringing to those communities. Oh, yeah. So these native communities, Started growing
0: hemp, which was used for food, fuel, and fiber, until one of them decided to smoke the damn thing and realized, God damn,
1: that's some good salsa.
0: (laughs) So they started being sneaky, experimenting with the cannabis plant. Not only that, but these indigenous people started exchanging cannabis for their own psychoactive plants with the Spaniards. But they had to be secretive, so they came up with Christian names to cover up their actions in case the Spaniards caught wind of it.
1: Some of these names were Doña María, Marijuana, and María Iguana, (laughs) which I think someone must have smoked too much and then signed Iguana and said, you, sir, are going to be the mascot for our corporation. (laughs) So they used the name Maria because it sounded close to
0: Mother Mary. So this figure became essential in helping Christianize cannabis. They were able to get away with this so well, they would even have ceremonies with cannabis without the Spaniards realizing. So basically, the indigenous people were forced to adopt Christianity, forced to adopt a new plant, and forced to stop cultivating plants that they were using for
1: centuries. Can you imagine? There's over one thousand two hundred different nicknames for pot. That's absolutely crazy. Uh-huh. It's really cool because after all these different expectations, the actual scientific name for hemp and cannabis dates all the way all the way back to several millennia ago, uh, before there was even languages that we could even try to transcribe. Right. One of them named. Scythian, which came up the word named cannabis, mm. that was then extended throughout the whole world until it reached the Vikings. The Vikings, the Vikings loved pot so much that they took from their old Germanic language Hanapis, which evolved into Hanaf, then Hanf, and then an immediate predecessor to hemp. Wow, I didn't know that.
0: So even the ancient Egyptians had a word for cannabis. Shem Shemet. Shem Shemet. (laughs) The first references began to appear around 2350 BCE. Damn, that's old. Yeah, for real. When a mythological king is described tying the cords of the Shem Shemet cannabis plant. Medical papyri throughout the coming centuries would greatly expand on the medicinal uses of cannabis, describing everything from suppositories to creatively mixed suppositories (laughs)
1: suppositories what were they putting up there i was thinking they were making (laughs) band-aids suppositories Uh The plant was so high valued so highly that in 1563 Queen Elizabeth required everyone with more than 60 acres of land to grow hemp or face a fine. In 1890 Queen Victoria's physician prescribed cannabis for her cramps and it was even considered to be one of the most studied and valued plants worldwide. So you're telling me that a plant that was somehow turned so evil but was before considered one of the best valued plants uh-huh. in the entire world. America, take What's notes. What's are you doing? Take notes. In 1942, Henry Ford then constructed an entire vehicle made out of hemp and soybeans that actually ran on hemp and soybean fuel. So why are we here... <laughs> literally polluting the air when we could be riding hemp. hemp. We could be riding ganja. Imagine smoking weed, driving weed, eating weed, dressing up in weed. That sounds great. We could be 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 like that, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So looks like the rest of the world love their weed, but how come everything went south in the United States? That is a good question. Even by 1850,
0: 1850, cannabis was added to the U.S. pharmacopoeia and had enjoyed a fairly successful existence in America thus far. But in the later half of the 19th century, hemp lost ground to cheaper products made of cotton, jute, sizzle, and petroleum. Because hemp was processed by hand, which is labor-intensive and costly, it fell behind on other modern and cheaper commercial production methods.
1: That's absolutely insane that's you're sick. telling me that you guys thought let's just take the easy way out and here's a little bit of a fun fact there are 11 presidents who have smoked weed no in way. their life 11 yes 11 11 stranger things <laughs> we're gonna they all like, right i Name them. number one george washington he sowed hemp out of a, from a muddy hole by the swamp and then grew it the swamp. for fiber. And he even separated male plants and female plants to blossom them, to hmm. use them for even preparations to deal with his toothaches. What? His really? cherry tree wooden teeth <laughs> had some toothaches. And Look he said, him. you know what? I'm going to smoke some weed and I'm going to get through it. Anyway, number three, Thomas Jefferson. In addition to farming hemp, he was an, amb- he was an ambassador to France- during the hashish era there and at the risk of imprisonment if caught jefferson smuggled hemp seeds from china known for their potency to america what and The first drug dealer in america <laughs> it was our own president was thomas jefferson he said you want some of that gas <laughs> i got you fam you <laughs> want some of that gas <laughs> Number four, James Madison. He was the father of the Constitution and claimed that hemp gave him the insight to create a new dem- democratic nation.
0: What? So we could
1: have had a better a- a better land, better area because our president smoked weed. Right. right. And someone, somebody said, mm, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. Devil, the devil's lettuce. I don't like that. Anyway. Then we have James Monroe, who openly smoked weed while he was the ambassador to France and continued smoking it until he died at the age of 73. Lifelong smoker. Lifelong smoker. Andrew Jackson was next. Third of the three military men whose letters were refer- referred to from his troops that he was always smoking weed. Oh. Mm-hmm. Then you have Zachary Taylor, Franklin Pierce, JFK. Oh. Oh. JFK smoked in his first blunt rotation, smoked three J's out of six. And then once he was about to get the fourth one, he said, I know the Russians are up to something.
2: When I tell you, he
1: peaked. He He did. Jimmy Carter didn't smoke weed, but because he was so progressive of his time, he supported the legislation to amend federal law to eliminate all federal criminal penalties for the possession for up to one ounce of marijuana so he Mm. he was trying to be one of the good guys he was like listen I don't smoke weed I know my kid literally smokes on the top of the roof of the White House (laughs) but I'm okay with you know everyone out there smoking wood which I think is amazing good guy right there then you have Bill Clinton George W Bush which those two honestly was kind of surprised to even see there Mm -hmm. and then our most famous one that everyone knows barack obama yes he used to smoke in college
0: Mm -hmm. so despite cannabis having such a positive role internationally throughout history why can an individual still be charged with a felony for having a freaking joint a joint a joint not
1: talking no blonde no cannagar (laughs) no bong ribs just some flour rolled in paper Mm. Racism has played a large role in changing laws against cannabis in the United States. Smoking mota was associated with Mexicans, ganja with Hindus, and Reefer with African Americans. In 1910, the Mexican Revolution caused thousands
0: of Mexican refugees to migrate north slash east into the US looking for safety and work these immigrants introduced the habit of smoking cannabis for recreational use instead of its general medicinal use into American society. They used the word marijuana for cannabis, which was a term almost unheard of in America until then. Mexicans were Catholic, not Protestants spoke Spanish, not English, and were willing to work cheaper wages. Therefore speaking, racism and xenophobia among Americans.
1: At this point in US history, smoking marijuana was not only associated with Mexicans, but also with African Americans and jazz. They try to ruin jazz. I can't believe like don't Um, touch that. Don't don't hurt jazz. (laughs) Just uh, Americans (laughs) just
0: generally did not view African-Americans as valuable members of society. (laughs) This is why two best friends can't be on a podcast together. Anyway, they thought jazz music was corrupting their youth. Famous jazz musicians such as Louis Armstrong and Cab Calloway were targeted and arrested for marijuana to intimidate minority communities from using the now illegal substance. You know, it's really, it's really funny that they care. Why y'all care so much? For real. I'm literally like, vibe. It's a goddamn plant. It's a it's goddamn a, plant. And they're like, let's plant. attack music. It's ruining everyone. It's ruining these kids. Wow, a trumpet, right? <laughs> a trumpet is ruining the next generation.
1: Okay. How do
0: anyway. people like
1: these people run this country? This oh is, my god. I don't
0: understand America. Like the more I under, like read into the history and what's happening now, I just don't get what's going on. We've been cracked out for years. Like like you're since the me? beginning of time America has just been like so messed up. Like
1: there's people literally like what's it called? Melting crystal meth into a spoon and injecting that and that's like somehow okay, but a plant came from the ground, god-given. Mhm. I don't And that's Anyway,
0: by associating marijuana with these cultures and movements, it gave many Americans a negative connotation of the plant. In 1933, the US Congress repealed the 21st Amendment, ending the prohibition of alcohol. The US was in the midst of the Great Depression and Mexicans were being demonized due to the lack of employment. It was said by politicians that Mexicans were responsible for violent crime waves in America. What? Aslinger worked hard, it's a good name, it fits him, (laughs)
2: Aslinger, to associate
0: the word marijuana with depraved behavior and hideous acts. He was very adamant against cannabis, but was unsuccessful in making it illegal. In 1935, he came up with a new strategy for cannabis prohibition by working with petrochemical associations, such as those
1: owned by the DuPont family and William Randolph Hearst. So DuPont was producing nylon, the number one competitor of hemp. DuPont also held many lucrative patents on chemicals used in the manufacturing of plastics, paper, and paint. So literally the reason why we all have to recycle in four to five, six different bins every other week, this guy, this man's. These patents were at risk of becoming worthless if hemp products and hemp oil derivatives became widely available and replaced nylon. So this was DuPont's main motivation to become politically adamant about banning hemp. What a douchebag. trash. So this guy
0: just wants to ban hemp to make money, right? And he's not the only one. William Hearst had vested interest in the timber industry, used to produce paper for his newspaper empire. He was also known racist, who despised, despised Blacks and Hispanics. Being the most powerful newspaper owner in America, he used his circulation to his advantage he began a propaganda campaign against the evils of marijuana to create hysteria among white parents. Can you even believe that? Like hemp was literally used as paper for years. And then this guy came out of nowhere and was like, I have a better idea. Let's cut down all the trees and make paper out of them because this is what I can make a business out of when you literally are ruining this planet. Like, and
1: no Im- one's doing anything good. And imagine if these two people didn't do any, if they didn't do anything and they never went with these jobs of making plastic and nylon, all the trash in the ocean wouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. All the things that have created that are literally ruining our planet wouldn't be there. All the trees that they've cut down would still be up. Mm-hmm. So literally hemp could have, was literally saving us, was giving us a grace of being a natural clean environment but because of these people who only cared about money and power they decided. you know what no convenience capitalism mm-hmm. and ruining everyone's lives that's
0: literally where we live we live in this country that you know everyone's just fine trying to find any opportunity to gain power and money and
1: you know that results in ruining the own place that we live And with all this propaganda and all these campaigns that they started creating, it allegedly, they said that smoking marijuana would turn high school kids into addicts and making them want to quit school and commit violent crimes like murder and rape. One of the results. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And one of the results of this propaganda campaign was the film Reefer Madness. And I definitely know in 2022, I definitely know some parents who still think like this. And it's truly sad because the only crime that their kids are committing is eating too much food and spending too much money on weed. And last time I checked, that's not a crime. Mm -hmm. So... They really you're mad. (laughs) They're mad. They really brainwashed all these people. And the thing is, Nixon was so biased biased against the Black, Mexican, Irish, Italians and Jews that he used drugs as a weapon to fight against any community who he viewed as a political opponent. John L. Rickman, (laughs) weird name, (laughs) L. Rickman, who served as Nixon's domestic policy chief, admitted to lying about the drugs and using them as a tool in a cover story in harper's magazine their tactic was this put political opponents in jail to give them a criminal record thus losing their right to vote can you believe that they're like if i could go back in time the way i would backhand this man (laughs) oh my god slap the life out of him my adidas slide would be going through his head through his head (laughs) Bye bye. So <laughs> and tell it, me, what did normal do again?
0: Well, normal in 1978, which is the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, by the way, they issued a challenge in the DEA's court system as normal versus DEA. They wanted cannabis to be removed from the Schedule One drug classification. At this time, the DEA's own administrative judge, Francis Young, agreed with the normal and said cannabis is one of the safest therapeutically active substances known to man. He stated that cannabis should be scheduled down and that the ban was unreasonable, arbitrary and whatever that word is, capricious. (laughs) An
1: appeals
0: appeals court stated that the DEA had broad discretion as to when it will move cannabis out of schedule one. However, until this day, the DEA continues to ignore their own judges' recommendations and has refused to remove cannabis out of Schedule 1.
1: So they're doing what they usually do, close their eyes and walk away. Can you believe they've been trying to
0: push this to another schedule for like 44 years? 78,
1: since 1978. It's 2022. This probably will still keep going for a couple of years. I swear, they need to just like change people, like do a cycle, put some Gen Zers, put some millennials up in there and see how quick everything gets fixed. This is crazy. The results of the war on drugs has provided the U.S. with the largest population of incarcerated citizens in the world. Can you imagine that? We are one small, quote unquote, small country and that we all love each other and this land is your land. But we have one of the most largest populations of incarcerated citizens in the world. African-Americans make up only 12.2% of America's general population and 13% of its drug users. But they are 38% of all arrests and have a 59% conviction rate. At the same time, privatized prisons have risen with quotas to keep cells full in order to maintain profit margins. This is a modern way of making money by enslaving people for the purpose of keeping Americans quote-unquote safe from drugs And even in the book, The New Jim Crow, it explains how targeting Black men through the war on drugs and decimating, 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 sorry, I can't talk, decimating communities of color, the U.S. criminal justice system functions as a contemporary system of racial, racial control. If citizens have a criminal record, they lose the right to vote and the right to serve on juries. They also lose the right to be free of legal discrimination in employment, housing, access to education and public benefits. So you're telling me that these it's just absolutely insane, because even when you read it out loud, you're just thinking to yourself, how could someone look at this and see that this is okay? How can someone look at this and be like, yep, that's the answer. They just find new ways to push people down and
0: have control over them. This is just like another power hungry thing way to control communities
1: that they don't like. And the thing is, once those people who are incarcerated finally do have that small window of opportunity to become free, they go back to society not realizing that they have lost all those years wasted for something so minimal of having a joint in your pocket years ago when it was still criminalized. And then they have to somehow try to adapt to this new environment new society but at the same time also try to hold in all those years of emotions and overpowering overwhelming being in a prison a cage
0: like this is what i don't get like are they not legalizing it federally so they can keep all these people in jail like literally what the hell are they doing
1: i don't get it (laughs) i don't get it
0: so there you have it the fight for cannabis legalization has been going on for too long and clearly because of money and racism, not because of its side effects. It has been used as medicine since the freaking stone ages.
1: Don't you mean the stoner (laughs) ages? Don't do that. And don't forget to pick up some goods from Happy Valley when you want to unlock the premium cannabis experience. Visit the Happy Valley store in East Boston today to get a 20% off a single accessory with the promo code dope. Hell yeah. Thanks for
0: sticking with us and learning something new. And please share this information if you can. (laughs) Let's be educated. Love you guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows.
2: Cannabis Health Radio is a podcast about stories from people around the world who abused cannabis to deal with serious ailments, many of them life-threatening. My name is Ian Jessup. My co-host, Corey Yelland, is no stranger to the devastating emotional impact faced by so many people receiving a death sentence diagnosis from a doctor. Told she only had months to live with anal canal cancer, Corey researched and immediately began using cannabis oil to eliminate her cancer and has been cancer-free for more than a decade. She told herself that if it worked, she would spend the rest of her life helping others, which she does tirelessly every day. When you listen to our podcast, you'll hear many stories like Corey's, along with others who have used cannabis oil for many more ailments besides cancer, such as chronic pain,